A one, a two. We have a thousand things to do, but we'd rather chat to you. With emails and meetings and husbands and kids, we don't have time for this. Just what you need to basic bitches with a podcast. Hello and welcome to We Don't Have Time For This. I'm your host, Gemma Pranita, aka Gemma Peanut on the Gram. And here's my co-host, Kate the Great. <laughs> Did we fooled anyone? <laughs> oh my God, that was so awkward. <laughs> Sorry, babe, but you just—you're just not a slither on me. I'm not. I have no presenting skills whatsoever. <laughs> what cool quip? <laughs> family Guy reference. So anyone? many though. Like you just drop so many Family Guy references, <laughs> and it's so niche. I don't know. Someone slid into my DMs and was like, "Babe, I got that grind your gears reference." Yeah, one person, one time. True. We've got to think bigger, babe. Think bigger. <laughs> Include everyone. So, dear listeners who also follow us on the gram, you might have seen that we had a bit of an Instagram feud. Are you even a big deal if you haven't had an Instagram feud? Revs and I had a real best frenemies moment where we decided to use the Instagram stories platform as a place to basically troll the shit out of each I know, other. And I'm a bit, I, look, I, I've got to say I'm disappointed. Trolling you was my thing. And now, like, you like coming along and trolling me. I'm sorry, but I had to play the Uno reverse card on you because I was sick of getting all the heat my way, girl. No, that's our dynamic. Like, why are you messing with our dynamic? It's clearly working. <laughs> You're the somebody, I'm the nobody, and I troll you, okay? What are you doing to my show? <laughs> <laughs> so to give our dear listeners some context, we have saved this to the highlights. So if you're not a reg on our Instagram stories, which I highly encourage that you do yeah, join. What are you doing? Yes. Get over there. Get over to our gram fam. We shared a post that was originally posted by Cotton On, which shared a list of what type of school pickup mum you are. Basically, Revs decided to assign me to one of the mums, which is called Annie. Let me just describe Annie for you. So Annie, walking to the gate with her 3K pram, wearing the latest linen combos as she hands her kid a stainless steel bento box containing homemade sushi and muesli bars inside. I mean, tell me, okay, sure, no homemade food. But everything else is you. I do not have a stainless steel bento box. How many times have you said to me, oh, I just, Rafa loves a bento box. I have so much more success with snacks when I put them in a bento box for Rafa. Well, it's true. Like kids love variety and right? they love a colorful rainbow food offering. Okay, no shade to your bento box, but you have a bento box. I do. You've got a fancy pram. I do. You love to swan around in the latest linens. Yes. So just tell me why you're not Annie. Okay, I've thought about this. Okay. I aspire to be an Annie. Okay. But in reality, I'm Lauren. Okay, let me read Lauren. So there's five different types of pickup mum on this list, right? Lauren is not here to make friends, illegally pulls into a no standing zone and nudges the kids out the door as she continuously rolls on listening to gangster rap. Okay, okay, I can see shades of Lauren in you. Thank you. Because I'm that mum that literally, here Rafa, bye Rafa, zoom. Like I'm, I don't, I don't hang around. I don't want to chat to teachers. Yeah, but you'll be the first one who wants to make mum friends when school starts. Which is why I also think I'm a hybrid of Lauren 
and Alice. Alice is. She rocks up to the school gate wearing the latest it bag and a perfect ponytail. Okay, I don't have. I definitely. Well, I love your dysmorphia about yourself. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I, when have you ever had an it bag? I've never had an it ever. bag. Okay, you've had a perfect ponytail once at the good mum's wedding, and that was because someone else did it for you. Yeah, I don't. I. I mean, if it said the perfect top knot, then maybe it, <laughs> I would be more of a Lauren. It's the word perfect I'm having an issue with. <laughs> And yet somehow you categorize me as an Annie, which she sounds pretty damn perfect. She's home making sushi and muesli bars. I don't have time for that. It doesn't say she made them. It says they're homemade. I mean, she probably bought them, which is what I do. Or maybe she wrangled an in-law to make them, which is something you would do. We have this running joke with our group of friends, dear listeners, where I'm like notoriously known for throwing money at a problem. Yeah. Yeah. You love to throw money at a problem. So there you go. Again, another one for Annie. Wearing the latest linen combo. Like that's you and your color palette down to a T. Look, I I can agree with that. I just think you're Annie. I am Candice. You are Candice. Candice to the core. Like it couldn't be more perfect. So Candice is pumped up with caffeine, regularly turning up to the school gate in her trackies and always saying to the other parents, sorry, what's your name again? I mean, I don't say it, but I think it. (laughs) I'm like, who dis? (laughs) Who dis? New mum, who dis? And you know what? The best one is actually Mel. This is a very real archetypal drop-off mum. And I know a Mel. Oh, we all need a Mel. Every group of mums needs a Mel. Mel is, she's tech savvy, the leader of the mummy pack and started the group chat and ongoing driver of ladies nights. We love Mel. Love Mel. Everyone's lost without Mel. So I feel like there isn't one that's quintessentially me. Babe, it's Annie. No, it's, I am not Annie. I refuse to be Annie. Why are you so averse to being Annie? What is it that you don't like about it? Because I know real life Annie's. Oh. And I'm like, and I get irritated by how freaking perfect they are. And I'm like, damn you, Annie. And I, Annie's aren't walking around wishing they were Annie's. I'm an Annie wannabe. I don't know. It doesn't say anywhere that Annie has like the perfect baby bag stocked with nappies and stuff. Like it's, Annie can still be a wallet mum. Oh my God. Okay. If Annie was a wallet mum, could you comfortably wear the Annie badge? All right. Yes. (laughs) Points to me, Kate the Great. What about like high school you? Which one of these mums would you thought you would end up as? Oh, great question. Um, Because I know when I was in high school, I would have thought that I'd be an Annie or an Alice. Like I would have thought I would have had it all together, the cute hair, a nice bag, always up for a chat, got a beautiful pram, just like uber mum. That's what I would have thought I would have been because when I was in high school, I was a high achiever, prefect, list girl, got everything done ahead of time on top of my life oh i feel like you peaked in high school dude totally peaked it's only it's only it's only gone downhill from there i hate to break it to you revs but uh i mean you were like the prefect and you were always speaking in assembly you were how dare you get 98.5 in your high school hsc and have a social life like those people who are getting perfect boyfriend those people who are getting 98.5 are the motherfuckers who have no friends and how fucking dare you be a motherfucking super geek and have a boyfriend and a social life and like have all the cool clothes and all the cool clothes well look i'm gonna pull you up there but the rest yeah i mean i was fucking killing it i was goals but you know i never would have read this list of mums and thought yep i'll be the slovenly shaky caffeinated candace dropping my kids off in trackies and being like who who dis who dis (laughs) 
<laughs> who do you reckon you would have thought you'd be? I think you would have thought you were a Lauren, the one who rolls up and kicks the kids out and goes off to gangster rap. Yeah, because we all know that I loved gangster rap in school. Fun fact for our dear listeners is that Jem can pretty much lip sync to any Eminem song. I was a diehard Eminem tragic and I'm semi-embarrassed to admit how many hours I spent learning all the rap lyrics to his songs. Like, name a song and you can do it. It's quite an impressive party trick. So I think that's who we would have thought you'd be. We would have thought you're a Lauren, but I'm sorry, babe. You're straight up Annie. So how do you feel having your kids back in school? Oh my God, so good. Because those school holidays, I oh, think they went felt on like, and yeah. on and on. <laughs> I think every mum feels this collective sigh of thank God. But then the day I'm walking her back to school, I suddenly got all emotion. I didn't really prepare for like, oh, she's going into a new year. I just sort of imagined it would be going back into kindy. But of course, she's now in year one. And it's like, okay, now we're on the track to her being a kid and moving away from me. I'm struggling to relate <laughs> to your feelings. Okay, for a little bit more context, dear listeners, we have a dear bestie of ours not the good mum but another mum who sent us a group message saying guys I'm feeling all the feels about going back to work and this is her first baby who's a one-year-old and she's she's having all those mixed feelings about whether or not she wants to go back to work or if she should continue being a stay-at-home mum or extend her maternity leave and everyone's writing in the group being like I totally feel this yes it's normal your feelings are warranted let me (laughs) validate your feelings and I'm sitting here being like oh my god when Rafa started daycare I like slammed the door walked out and felt like I was in a fucking musical (laughs) where it was like freedom freedom and I was like hop skipping and a jumping down the street like I didn't shed one tear for her first day of daycare and she didn't either so she was fine and I was fine and it was like this mutual like yeah we need some space yeah I mean it's just indicative of your cold dead heart Okay, we'll admit, bawled my eyes out over Iggy, but we all know why. Oh, he's, he's the favourite. Yeah, he is shaping up to be like a hard permanent favourite. Are you prepared to have a favourite child? Well, now I feel defensive of Rafa as soon as you say that. Isn't that funny? Like, yeah. with our kid, it's again, it's that, like, it's my dog and I'll kick it. It's like, the conflicting feelings always. You know, they, they say the days are long, but the years are short. Mm-hmm. It just is, it continually proves itself to be true. I waited and waited and waited for those school holidays to come to an end and then I got really emotional walking her back to school I feel like that is just motherhood summed Summed up up. it's that push pull isn't it it's endless yeah you want a break so badly and you get a break and then you just like scroll through photos of them and talk about them and miss them and then you go pick them up early and you can't wait and then you hate them when they're in the car screaming why did I do this (laughs) it's a losing battle I know I regret going back to work so early So do I. That is one big regret of mine because you know that saying like, do as I say, not as I do. Mm -hmm. So whenever I have friends who say, oh, Jem, how long did you take off for maternity leave? When did you go back to work? I always say, don't do what I did. I went back to work when Rafa and Iggy were both three months old. And the opinion that I always give people is that you have the rest of your life to work your kids are only really kids for a decade because then they become pre-teens and teens and then they hate you and <laughs> tell you to so fuck. we here <laughs> and uh, want nothing to do with you as parents and find you utterly embarrassing so you've got this precious decade where 
they love you so innocently. Don't know about nine or 10 year olds, never had one of those. Then I think, oh, like, can we not just enjoy that chapter? Why are we all racing back to work when literally they go to high school, don't want to borrow of you. That is the perfect time to throw yourself back into work. Well, I don't know. I'm hearing that these that it changes all the time. And sometimes when they get older, they need you more in a different way. This is what I'm finding, that it really ebbs and flows. Okay. I went back when both mine were four months, so similar to you. We're idiots. We are idiots. What were we thinking? Well, I didn't have a choice. I had to. Yeah. I had my own business and it needed me. And I think that is the pressure yeah. of owning your own business. I, I, I must admit, when mums in my mother's group were employees of a company and they had a very set amount of maternity leave so it was like nine months or 12 months and your job is held for you and your, your title and everything yes. yeah and it's like and there's someone there to do your job while you're away whereas when you work for yourself and run your own business it, everything hinges on you being present in the business yeah or so I thought. Did you feel that you needed to be back at work? I definitely did. We financially needed me back at work. The business absolutely needed me because I was, you know, looking after sales and without sales, there's no business. There's pros and cons to both, right? Like the pro with having your own business is if you say, I'm going to go back to work at three months and you get to three months and you don't want to, you don't have to like go and apply for it or ask a bunch of people to change things. You would just enact the change. So you've got the flexibility. You can also go back to work, but from your house and work during naps and work in the evenings. Whereas if you're going into an office in a more structured return to work, then you have to, well, first of all, you have to kind of reclaim your place back in the office say someone's been doing your job for a year or six months or two years whatever it may be you kind of need to reclaim that role yeah I would feel threatened yeah I'd be like shit someone else has stepped into my shoes and I've got to like really prove my place and chances are the person who stepped into your shoes doesn't have kids yeah and this has been a big step up for them and they're kind of proving themselves they've probably got a lot more time to give to the job a lot more get up and go and then you come back as this tired motherfucking mum who's got to duck out at three that must be really tricky oh I reckon that'd be super hard that's what I've found now that I I'm an employee that I'm constantly either arranging things or making excuses to duck out at a certain time or pulling in extra hours at night to make sure I'm not letting the team down because I have kid duties in the morning and in the afternoon. Do a lot of the team at where you work have kids? It's a pretty equal split. So half have kids, half don't. We're really lucky our boss has a kid and is really understanding and there's a really good culture. So super lucky with that. But, you know, you just feel guilty if you if a kid gets sick and it's something important is happening that day obviously family comes first and all that but you're like yeah but I'm letting people down yeah and I'm not doing my job and, and it's this and then it's, you have mum guilt for and, even being at work like for god's sake I know I know it's it, a hurricane of emotions it is gotta say though still find it all of that taken on board I still find it easier than being stay-at-home mum I find stay-at-home mum the hardest job in the world and it's a job it's just not paid it's not paid work it's a but it's work yeah but uh, it's so interesting because I've had these chats with some friends of mine who are stay-at-home mums and they really devalue themselves and it really pisses me off because I feel like I spend so much time telling them how 
much of a vital and important contributor they are to their family unit. Yeah. But it's so weird how we wrap up our identity of value. With your earning power. With your earning power. Totally. And I Okay, so classic example, I've got a friend who had a really great high-powered job in an events company and she is married to a doctor and her husband got a posting to like a rural area. And this is pre-COVID where working from home wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. And so she moved to this remote area and quit her job for him. And she emotionally crashed and burned over money because she suddenly felt that she wasn't allowed to spend money because she didn't earn it. I 100% understand that. Really? Yes, I have had that feeling many times. Unpack this. Well, my husband and I, we have gone with the ebbs and flows. So there was a point where I worked full-time and he was full-time stay-at-home dad for six months. We flipped it. I've been stay-at-home for some periods and he's gone back to work we've tried splitting it so three days each basically so there's one day we're both at work but the other two days they've got a parent we've tried all the different versions and we've been really fortunate to be able to do that but if I am not earning a full-time wage I get really self-conscious about what I'm allowed to spend but why because I think I'm not bringing in enough money to be like sending it out when there's so many expenses with family life anyway daycare and clothes for the kids and food and blah 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 blah. all the stuff that goes along with raising a family that's fine but if it came to like oh I really want that dress or I really want to buy myself that pair of shoes or I really want to go out in this girl's dinner you feel guilty I feel guilty oh and that breaks my heart because it's like being a stay-at-home mum not only is it a full-time job but it's a full-time job with very blurred working hours um 24 hours yeah there is no (laughs) clocking off no there's no like leaving your work at your desk and then you know decompressing on the commute ride home and then just walking in the door and like it is constant there's no respite there's no separation if you're lucky you might get two hours in the evening to yourself where there isn't a baby awake or someone asking for you something from you or someone sitting on you whatever when you can scroll your phone and watch your telly and eat ice cream or whatever and then back to it again I, it's the hardest thing I've ever done and I don't, I'm not cut out for it full time. When we went into lockdown in the UK and all my work evaporated overnight, I was freelance at that point and everything disappeared. I had some real home truths come home to roost. That you're just not cracked up to I be a parent. All awkward, bit late. <laughs> Love being a parent cannot be a full-time parent yeah I am not cut out for the 24-7 mum gig I'm just not it's not in my nature I wish it was so do I I actually and this is not being condescending I genuinely wish it was but I'm I I can't do it I find it incredibly tiring quite (laughs) soul-sucking yes I follow a couple of mums on the gram but they're like amazing craft mums Oh. And, and I okay you know me you're depriving your daughter is this about to say you're completely depriving her of a life full of craft noons shots fired <laughs> all I was gonna say is that Rafa doesn't have a painting kit and you're like depriving every little child should have a painting kit oh I just I I don't have it in me we all know about my aversion to mess yeah I think you've branded that minimalism 
But I do, I look at these craft mums with such envy because, you know, they're like making stuff from scratch with their kids. And these, these things are not simple things they're making. They're things that would take hours. And sometimes they share like science experiments and, and baking with their children. And I just think, no part of me wants to do any of that. But yet, why do I look at you and go, why don't I want to do that? That part I can get around. Okay, then you're built to be a stay-at-home mum. That's why I had a good solid week in lockdown. I'm just like, fucking killing this. Look at my homeschool. All we do is make chop chip cookies and so little soft toys. Home activities, I can 100% get around. But isn't that what... No, no, no. I can't get around. It's just constant snack bitchery all day and schlepping to the park and then you've got to go and do the groceries but take the kids with you and then you've got to get everyone into their nap schedules at the right time and you've got to deal with sibling fighting all day. And Yeah, and then don't forget all the laundry and all the domestic duties that come with being at home. Exactly. Again, all that stuff I can kind of, I'm kind of fine with. It's more just that I, I'm not cut out to deal with kids' behavior and personalities all day long. I really struggle with I need adult conversation. Okay, wait, stop, stop, stop. I feel like there would be some stay-at-home mums listening to this being like, I fucking can't either. (laughs) No, I know. I know. That's what I mean. It's a total privilege to have the choice. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I salute stay-at-home mums. I take my my fucking hat off. I take my cape off and sling it around them. I think they're the unsung heroes. You take your cape off? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Take my cape off and (laughs) lasso them with the cape. I love a mixed metaphor. (laughs) No, it's the hardest job in town. It is the hardest hardest job in town so it's the hardest job in town yeah it's an unpaid hardest job in town and yet why do they still feel riddled with guilt when it comes to spending money because this is a common thing yeah absolutely. i mean i know friends as well who are stay-at-home mums who get allocated pocket money by (gasps) their husbands oh i don't think i like that like i guess they get allocated money into their account and that's their like spend for the week that makes me feel yuck why? I don't know. It feels anti-feminist or something. I'm just not about. <laughs> I'm just not about it. I don't like that. Although, oh, I wonder if my husband still listens to this podcast. Can I share? I have a burner account. Oh my god, me too. Yeah, I've got like a secret bank account where I put fun money for myself. Yeah, mine's PayPal. Just when I can't be bothered to justify shit. That's what it's for. But I feel like every woman needs that. Yeah, I because mean, there's a lot of upkeep things that men simply don't get. Oh, like Botox. <laughs> Like Botox? <laughs> oh, oh, you better believe I've set aside some funds for that. You're going to PayPal the Botox lady? Yeah. <laughs> or just when you just want to buy something or go on a nice dinner with your friends or whatever and you don't want to be like, yeah, it was 200 bucks. Do you reckon any men listening to this episode are like, you guys think we don't have burner accounts? We're spending it on mistresses. <laughs> I'm just delighted that you think there are men listening to this podcast. <laughs> I don't think there's any men listening to the podcast. (laughs) If there is a man out there listening to this podcast, please slide into the DMs and let us know because I'll be shook. I'll be absolutely, absolutely shook to my core. Hold the phone, dear Revs. Yes. You've just contradicted yourself. Oh, have I? What have I done? Yes, you have, Tell me, what have I done? You forgot that you shared on our Instagram just this week that your ex slid into our (gasps) DMs and said, it's Tuesday, 
where the pod at. I know because we were late at dropping it last week. Um, I'm pretty sure that signifies that he's a dear listener. <gasps> That's one male listener. Shout out to my beautiful ex-boyfriend, Will. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. How dare you have a good relationship with your ex? Yeah, he was my beautiful ex from when I was 15 to when I was 20. So we kind of grew up together. I have very fond feelings about him. Oh, yawn. I know. Look, it's the only one. I've got <laughs> I've got a long trail of men I don't have a good relationship oh, yeah, with. Don't worry. Oh, they're all in the burn book. I have a burner account that I definitely duck into. I say it's for like birthday presents. Like I don't want him to see on the credit card what I bought him for his birthday. But you know, let's be real. That is it's just my secret stash. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I do, I genuinely believe that all women have a secret stash. So I guess I'm interested to hear from dear listeners if, they are stay-at-home mum, and if they have a burner account... Yeah. I love that you turned this into talkback. I don't know. <laughs> Call us now. It's one uh, 656 <laughs> I don't know. I'm sick of the conversation just being between us two. I want to extend it. Oh, okay, okay. What you cooking up? I don't know. Maybe I have some sort of app to plug in the hashtag not sponsored oh section of our potty. So I know we're halfway through, but do you know what I don't have time for? What don't you have time for, dear Rebsy? Bloody Teddy, my gorgeous three and a half year old, is not sleeping this week. Oh no, your good sleeper. My good sleeper is not sleeping. And look, validate me. No one seems to believe me, but this happens every time there's a full moon. No, no, no. I'm I'm fully on board with this. Yes, do you yes. agree? Yes. Every time there's a full moon, there's like a two, three night blip where Teddy is up in the middle of the night and like has some ridiculous request by the moon. Like last night at 3 a.m. he wanted a banana. And I was like, 3 a.m.? And I was like, no, mate, it's 3 a.m. Like back to bed. And he was like, I want a banana. And it just starts to escalate. And you're like, oh my God, he's going to wake the whole bloody house up. So I was like, okay, okay, okay. And I went and took him into the kitchen, put him on the bench. We peeled a banana. He had three bites. He was like, I don't want a banana. And I was like, wow, love this for me. Oh my God, no. I'm just so tired. Wait, so was this last night? Yeah. Oh my God, Rafa was up at 3am last night looking for her dummy. Oh my God, we should have chucked them on FaceTime. They could have entertained each other. Wait, Rafa was up? I know. Is Rafa ever up? Never. Like never, right? Was it a full moon last night? Yeah, I think it was. Oh my God. So is this a thing? No, it must be. Okay, good. I'm feeling really validated because I've got to say, I thought I was being a bit woo-woo to be like, oh, full moon. I'll just wait for my little werewolf to crawl into my bed at 2am. <laughs> I love me a star sign. I know you are a bit woo-woo. I, do, I am a closet woo-woo. It's not cool to be woo-woo, but like I secretly read up on woo-woo stuff. I don't know. I feel like it's very cool on Instagram to be no, woo-woo. No, you're right. It is trending. Yeah. So I don't even know what star sign Teddy is. What is he? Are you serious? Yeah, I don't even know. The only reason I know that Isla is a Libra. He's a Taurus. Okay, great. <laughs> pretty sure he's He's a tourist. What does that mean? A bull. Stubborn. Yep. Stubborn. Yeah, it's right, right. I'm pretty sure his element is earth. Cool. Which also adds to that stubbornness, that groundedness where they can hold their ground. You are being very serious about this and I think it's... Do you believe in this stuff for real? Um... <laughs> the only reason I know that Isla is a Libran is because my dear friend who is a bit of a hippie gave her a t-shirt that says Libra on it. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, she's a Libran. <laughs> God, but Rafa is such an Aries. What's an Aries? Fiery. Oh, yeah. Yes. And Aryans get on well with Sagittarians, like me. Oh, I did know you were a Sagittarian. You did. Because I remember when you were a vegetarian, you were like, I'm a vegetarian Sagittarian. <laughs> <laughs> you 
know I love alliteration and a rhyme time. <laughs> I'm a cancer. What does that mean? I will confess I know very little about cancerians. Yeah, I don't know shit about any of it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I really believe in it. Although, remember that app that trended a while ago called The Pattern? No. Someone like Channing Tatum found it and like did a story about it and then everyone had this app and it was like you put in the... Everyone. Okay, everyone except you, which is quite rare that you weren't <laughs> on a little on a trend train. But it's like you put in what time you're born and the date you're born and everything and it tells you everything about you. Like, you know, we again, we love to put ourselves in boxes and get these little <laughs> no. definitions about which kind of person you are. Like type this or type that. And it basically tells you how you are in relationships. And you can do this thing called time travel where you can go back to a specific date and it will tell you where you were emotionally at that time. What? Yeah, it's called The Pattern. Oh my God, am I just coming like 10 years too late to this well, app? It was creepy. Like it was kind of on the money. I don't, I don't really know what you're supposed to do with the information. That's what I struggle with, with all this woo-woo stuff. It's like, oh yes, that means he's very fiery. It's like... Okay, cool. What do you do with that though? For me, it's so obvious because life is one big fat question mark of uncertainty. And I feel like any opportunity to kind of feel some sense of knowing of what's to come or sometimes I think a lot of people like to relinquish control to the universe where things happen for a reason so that responsibilities don't fall solely on the decisions that you made in life. I love making a decision. No, I know you do. Hey, dear listeners, random story. (laughs) I have no idea what you're about to say. When Revs and I used to live across the street from each other in our early 20s, Revs really wanted a tattoo. Oh, God. (laughs) And it's so funny that you say that because it's so fitting. Revs was so arty, you guys. She wanted a tattoo in the form of a written bracelet around her wrist (laughs) that said, Men at some time are masters of their own fate well there's no own but anyway it's a shakespeare quote and it was it is my favorite shakespeare oh my god that's so cool (laughs) i'm being trolled irl right now (laughs) do you know what's so funny is i know that feminist revs cut to 35 years old would have hated having that quote because the The focus of it was men it wasn't women at some time are masters of her own fate yeah so 23 year old revs who was serious considering that tattoo can thank me for talking you out of it do you know what I made revs do I made her write it with permanent marker around her wrist and I said live with it for a week and tell me you You guys can't see Gem right now but she's like got one hand on her hip and she's shaking her finger in the air like an old grandma grandma Gem rocking on the porch saying live with it for a week and come back to me and tell me how you feel about your tattoo then young lady well hello where's my thank you well Okay, I've made my own decision there. And that tattoo now, over a decade later, the ink would have bled. It yeah. would have been really hard to read. It probably and would it, be green. It'd be green and it would be on your wrist, which is not like a tramp stamp where it's like, you know, it's there, but you can't see it. I reckon the tramp stamp is kind of fun now. Like when we look at people our age who bend over at the park in their linen set and they've got a little tramp stamp sticking out the back. I'm like, yeah, you were a good time in Bali in 99. <laughs> I think it's kind of fun and like a little bit of a literal badge of honor now, the tramp stamp. It's like the dolphin on the ankle. Remember that one? That was a big schoolies hit amongst our cohort. Or like if you were into music, you got a treble clef. Oh yeah. Well, I considered getting the drama masks at one point. Oh my God, that's right. The reason I never really got a tattoo is because I love a trend. You do. And it's why I get so cringy when I look back at old photos of 
myself and I'm like, oh, yep, that was that trend. Oh, that was the Capri trend. Oh, that was the balayage trend. Oh, that was the top deck hair trend. Like I've just did all the trends. I feel like we owe dear listeners some photos of your chameleon hairdos. Oh my God. It's it's so embarrassing. Dear listener, Revs has literally touched every shade of the rainbow not only every shade every style you've had bangs you've had the jennifer aniston rachel hair you've had the cropped bob you've had the lob you've had the beach tossled you've done it all i've done it all and my hair grows really fast so i am able to get like at least two or three identities into a calendar year (laughs) (laughs) oh man i look at some women that we know they are just a version of what they've always been like they've got the same taste and style and they've always kind of dressed in a classic way or whatever and i, I admire that but it's also just not me <laughs> it's just so not you can't pull that in off. fact who you are now is probably the most watered down version <laughs> of your former self maybe that means i'm comfy with who i am now finally yeah so condescending <laughs> oh babe you're finally okay to be alive <laughs> No, I feel relieved for you. You can stop trying on all these different personas. Exactly. You've been desperate to be anyone but you. And you know what my favourite thing is? I can't even say it without sounding like I'm being really earnest. Mm -hmm. But I love you just as you are. Okay. All right, Mr. Darcy, whoever says that in that movie. Uh, But look, hey, you had a hard vintage phase when we were in our early 20s we both went through a pretty heavy thrift store phase yeah and this was back when we were really cool smokers and yes. we used to meet up and have stoop durries this is when we were artists you guys stoop durry <laughs> you've lost it i have you've absolutely lost it today we used to smoke our own rolled cigarettes and like get around in our vintage clothes we must have smelt so bad guys no joke i have a photo of rev sitting on a stoop with her self-rolled cigarette wearing a beret <laughs> like could you not be any um, more of a cliche um that photo caught me a husband i know should we tell this story oh i love this story okay over to you so guys i am responsible for rev's children wait what? that is a stretch <laughs> No, I am. I'm responsible for your kids existing on this earth. Oh, okay. That, that is some serious delusions of grandeur, but you are responsible for me meeting my husband. Isla and Teddy wouldn't exist if you had ended up marrying Eduardo from Brazil. <laughs> That's true. It was so weird to me when you suggested that I meet this mysterious Scottish man because you, I had literally asked you to set me up with people multiple times and you're like, no, hard no, I'm not doing that. True. So it was weird when you suggested okay. me. Okay, we need a bit of a rewind. Yep. Dear listeners, I auditioned for a short film in my early 20s and the director of that short film ended up casting me and his name was Graham. And Graham and I met up in a cafe to discuss the details of the short film and my character at length. And Slight Revs was one of my children. You know, those people who can't stop talking about their kids 
for whatever reason, I was like, my best friend is so amazing. Like, she's this and that and she's super talented. I think that's because the film was about bad relationships and you just had a lot of anecdotes from my life because you had been in a long-term relationship. So I think you were just pulling on my life experience to inform the sad character you're about to play. I mean, you're not wrong. No, I know. Oh my God, I have a best friend who I can model this character on. So anyway, whilst shitting on revs, I was also at the same time singing her praises like crazy. And then Graham sort of very subtly in his Scottish way said, do you have a photo of her? And I was like, do I have a photo of her? Again, like my child, open my photo roll and it's like full of photos of Rev. I sound like I'm obsessed with you. Uh, it's okay, babe. We all know you are. Just own it. Just own it. I'm owning it. I showed Grey that photo of you with your flaming red hair, your sexy cigarette and your French beret. <laughs> and he, it was love at first sight. <laughs> he looked at that photo. The first thing he said was, is she single? And I said, <laughs> And ready to mingle. <laughs> and that was very, very tricksy of you because I was kind of in a thing that you wanted me not to be in. I did not approve you of that You did not guy. approve of that relationship Your I was fellow. in. Your <laughs> You like sometimes are a 12 year old and sometimes you're a 98 year old and like nowhere in between. <laughs> I was in a bit of a toxic relationship with someone and it was not good. And you were like literally about to give me an ultimatum with this person. No, I did give you an ultimatum. I, I said, you need to end it with this guy. He's a complete waste of your time. He's yeah. using you for sex. Get out. <laughs> wow, don't mince your words. So I was very motivated mm -hmm. to get you in with Graham. So I gave Graham your Facebook name and I said, shoot her a message. Slide on into the DMs. So now's where I feel like you should pick up the story, Rebsy. Well, he did in fact slide into my dms and he wrote me this very funny message the gist of it was i've literally never done this before but i was compelled to contact you i heard of you through your friend Gemma. he calls everyone by their full name so i was like Gemma. fun side fact about graham is hates a nickname oh everyone is their full name all the time yeah so if you're an alexandra expect to be called alexandra yeah, by graham no alley or Alec. so my favorite thing is that I'm like Graham's annoying younger sister that he never had. I go out of my way to give him like 20 nicknames just to piss him off. I'm like, hey, grizzledy dog, how's my grizzmeister? <laughs> and it drives him crazy, but he's accepted it now. And also, where's grizzle come from? Because he's a bit of a like a Scottish grizzle, grizzly bear. I don't know. So it's a bit like you're a Scottish grizzly bear. So I'm calling him Grizzle. Is he from Glasgow? Probably. <laughs> no, no, he's, he's Abaddonian, guys. Yeah. He's Abaddonian. <laughs> yeah, he wrote me this funny message that was like, I hear you that you're lots of fun. And I thought I could introduce myself. And I was like, oh, this is a charming message. And I wrote back. And then he wrote back again. I started to be like, it's been lovely to meet you, but I'm not really up for getting into an internet thing because it wasn't a thing then. The apps weren't a thing. You didn't meet people online. It just wasn't really a thing. So I was like, I'm just going to leave it up to fate to see if we ever meet in real life. I get an instant DM back. As fate would have it, you'll be at the Glebe Cafe on Tuesday night at seven o'clock. Maybe I'll run into you there. And I was like, ooh. It's smooth. smooth. Oh, Grizzle. So You're smooth. so smooth. Oh, it's such a smooth move. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was like, yeah, actually at the time, because of this toxic relationship I had been in, which wasn't even a proper relationship, it was just a thing in my life, I was kind of not up for it. So no, I, just, I remember. I had to talk you into I it. I know. And Liv, our friend Liv. So I slammed the computer. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Anyway, Tuesday rolls around. P.S. husband, Tuesday. That's a random night for a first date. But anyway, Tuesday rolls around and I'm like, nah, I'm not going to go. Nah, not going to go. Don't want to do it. 
And then you were like, please go, please go. He's really nice. Come on, do it, do it. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't know. I'll see, I'll see, I'll decide later. And then I was literally on the phone to our friend Liv and she's like, you've got to go because if it's bad, it's a funny story and we can all dine out on it for a while. If it's good, it's good. So I just like get dressed and go. And I was like, all right, fine. And we were engaged eight months later. (laughs) Here's another story, dear listener. So when Kate and Graham first got together, I was over the freaking moon because I felt like Cupid. So I was like, yeah, I did. And they were such a perfect match. Graham was the antithesis of that guy that Revs was in a toxic relationship with. And I was like, perfect. He's not a dick. He's actually a nice guy with no fucking ego. And that's what I wanted for Revs. Cut to, she calls me and goes, babe, guess what? She was in Scotland, by the way, calling Australia. I'm engaged. And I was like, why? <laughs> I think your first response was, are you sure? Are you sure? That's right. I said, are you sure? Because I was in disbelief. I was like, oh, this is not the reaction I was expecting. Well, dear listener, what I haven't shared is that Revs first called our mutual bestie Livy. And when she called Livy to tell the news, Livy like burst into tears and was like, oh my God, I'm so happy for you. Oh my God, you're getting married. And Revs was all buoyed off like Liv's reaction and then she called me and I was like (laughs) what what are you sure why why would you what you've been together for eight months but hang on on. don't you think you should live together yes I was gonna say dear listeners back me up on this they hadn't even moved in together it was true love, babe. You can't stop that train. I'm sorry, but it could have gone so fucking wrong. It could because have. You still le- good. There's still time. None of these things are certain. Because you learn so much about someone when you're living together. I said to Rev, you don't even know what his bathroom habits are. Because it's true. Like True romantic over here. Well, you needed to know if you were compatible housemates and you were going to commit your life to him. Like I was so mortified. <laughs> And look how wrong I was. I know. Oh, I know. I was so wrong. And I will sit here corrected on your magical marriage. He's the best. Do you know what, though? He recently shared with me that when we got home from that trip, we got home to the airport. And then I was like, okay, cool. Let's get a cab. And he was like, oh, you're coming back to my house? And he was like a little bit like, oh, are you, she's already moving in. Like he got really weirdly suffocated. I'm I was sorry. Like, I was I'm like, sorry. We were engaged. And he like, dropped a fucking knee. What did he think? That I you were going to live separately for the next five years? This is the weirdest thing about my husband. It took him ages to come around to having a joint bank account. Like he is a really fiercely independent person, which he's not closed off. He's very open and romantic and all those kind of things. He needs a lot of me time and he's Fiercely independent. Took me years to adjust to that. Well past being married to him. How much of his own Mm. inner life he required. Yeah, and to to not take it personally as well. It took me a long time to adjust because at first I did. I thought, oh, he's just not that into me. And then obviously he was because he proposed. And I was like, yay, I was right. We are in love. But are you? Why are you going for a run on your own? Why do you want to have dinner by yourself? Why won't you let me move into your apartment? Well, he did let me do all these things. But like, you know, you just know someone needs more space than you. I'm not a big me time person. I'm much more of an extrovert. I like being around people a lot. I don't need a lot of space. He needs a lot. But now at this stage of our relationship, coming up to 10 years married. Oh my word. I know. I am so grateful 
that I am with someone who's so independent because it means I have my own life as well. And I feel like I have seen a lot of my girlfriends arrive at a place where they're like, oh my God, I am so intertwined with this person that they start to feel suffocated Mm. and the codependency becomes overbearing when you're in the thick of parenting and the trenches at work and you're growing your career and everything. If you're also like underneath another person's life and you don't have your own inner life, that can be really suffocating. But I now, 10 years in, so appreciative that he was so independent because I have my own shit going on all the time and I'm married to someone who I'm fucking into. Yeah, and if you ever get divorced... (laughs) I've got my own stuff going on. (laughs) Exactly. He'll be fine. I'll be fine. Happy days. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. But can we please hear how you met your husband? Because it's gorgeous. Okay. So my husband and I, we have this joke that we won the postcode lottery. So when I was 11 years old, I moved to Sydney and I will never forget when my parents were like, let's go meet our neighbors. And we walked to our next door neighbors, knocked on the door. And there on the other side of that door was my husband. He was also 11. (laughs) We should point out. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember looking at this boy and thinking, oh yeah. And then I remember seeing in the distance behind him, he had a sister and I was like, yay, a girlfriend for me. And so, yeah, we were next door neighbors and it was so awesome because He went to an all-boys school. I went to an all-girls school. And with our powers combined, we created the ultimate game of spin the bottle. And do you know what's really awkward about that is that my hubs has kissed so many of my friends. I would say all. All your friends. All of them. (laughs) I know your wedding was like a big Orkies reunion between like all those boys you kissed in high school that you never thought you'd ever see again. Well, here they all are in one place. I know. It was awful. (laughs) It was so funny. I'm pretty sure our celebrant, Renee, said, okay, Okay, so put your hand up if you've passed anyone in the bridal party and I think everyone put their hand up. Yeah. But we had so much fun growing up because he dated all of my friends and <laughs> I dated all of his friends. This is going to sound really fucked up this and awkward. It's so incestuous. It was incestuous. But the funny thing about me and Hubs is like we always had a crush on each other, a deep, deep, deep crush. But we did that thing where we were like mean to each other. Like we didn't know how to channel our feelings because we didn't want to acknowledge because we were next door neighbors. We were almost like siblings. Yeah. You know, I used to do sleepovers at his house and he used to do them at The my... stakes were too high to, yeah. to date. It was like, even though we were like 14, 15, we had some weird maturity in us that knew that we couldn't date because if we fucked it up in our teens there would be no chance of salvaging what we had so we almost like made each other deliberately off limits for dating fast forward to we finish high school and hubs goes to university to study like finance (laughs) like how boring and i fly off to acting school and i'm like i found my creative people and then our lives kind of went in separate directions we always stayed loosely in touch like we'd catch up maybe like once a year at like a gathering fast forward 10 years hubs is living in new york and i'm living in la chasing the hollywood dream which we talked about in another episode we found ourselves at a point in life where we were both single again i will never forget when i messaged revs and i said i'm in new york shooting a film I'm about to have dinner with Rooney. That's his name, by the way. A lot of people think his name is Hubs, but it's not. It's Rooney. People think his name is Hubs? Well, people always say like, I didn't know what your husband's name was. And it's like Matthew. And people are like, oh. (laughs) 
Hobbs Rooney. I knew that it was the first time I was seeing him as a single woman because I'm a serial monogamist. I had been in a relationship for like ever through my late, always. I remember going to this dinner at his apartment in New York and I just had this weird feeling come over me where I was like, oh my God, why am I getting nervous? And I remember you called it early. You you called it so early. You were like, you guys are going to get married. And I was like, shut up. We're like brother and sister. That's what you were saying. And I was like, well, that's going to be awkward when you fuck. (laughs) (laughs) But I will never forget rocking up to his apartment and him opening the door with his beautiful smile. My husband has the most disarming smile. And my knees went to jelly. And I thought, oh, fuck, I'm screwed. He took me out on a date. We had a... Um, first date ever I know I know that was the first date you'd ever been on you've been such a serial monogamous since like our teens yeah you'd never been on a date no I'd never been taken out on a proper day and it was one of those lovely dates we were in New York it was autumn it was so romantic and it was like out of a movie where we were sitting at the restaurant eating and then people start to leave and all the tables and chairs around us are empty and then the waiters start like putting the chairs on the tables and we're still there chatting and then they're like turning the lights off and they're like guys we're closing and And in New York that's late and oh no it was like 1am and then Hub said oh should we I know a Mexican place that opens till 3am so we went and had like burritos like a double dinner um till three o'clock in the morning and drank tequila yeah it was hot no I was kidding double burritos on a date you clearly haven't been on many dates because that was not wise And the rest is history. And that was much later in life. Like Hubs and I got together when I was 28 and he was 29. But it was almost like, again, I'm going to be woo woo with a capital W. But it was like divine timing. It was. It was as if we needed to live our lives separately, date separately, to work out that everything we ever wanted was right in front of each other all along. Mm. But we had some battle scars and grew from those experiences to make us the ideal candidate. The ideal candidates for each other. The ideal candidate for a double burrito date. (laughs) (laughs) But it does make me laugh because if we were living in a time where arranged marriages were still a thing, our parents would have arranged us. Totally, you would have had the same husband. Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. Same outcome. (laughs) Yeah. How were your parents when you got to... Were they excited? Oh my God. Or was everyone worried, scared that it wasn't going to be a thing? Oh God, no. They were like frothing. They were like, oh, this is it. They're at that time in life. They're they're done. Signed, sealed, delivered. Hand over the dowry. Um, And that was that. We dated only for a year. We got engaged very quickly. And then we got married shortly after that. It just all fell into place. And it was... It was so easy because what was so wonderful about it, because I remember after my ex and I broke up, I was so terrified by the idea of like not only meeting someone new, like getting back on the dating scene when it's all apps and this whole scary world that I knew nothing about. But you know, when you start dating someone, then you've got to like meet the parents, mm. meet the siblings. And then you've got to like learn about their upbringing. And, like, all... and you were in America, like you could have met an American and never come home or had to talk them into coming back to Australia. At least he was Aussie. Yeah, he was Aussie. And our values were just so aligned. We both knew that we wanted to raise our kids back in Australia. And it was easy, which is how I realize now it should be. I'm a big believer that relationships take work. They need nurture. 
nurturing. They're like a delicate plant. You've got to tend to it. Otherwise, the relationship will fall apart or wilt. Whereas friendships, I'm a big believer that friendships should come easily. Guys, you could play metaphor bingo with this episode of We Don't Have Time for This. Every time Gem starts a metaphor, just take a shot. You should be wasted by now. Love me a metaphor. Oh, man. Well, there you go. Now you all know a little bit more about us. Whoops. <laughs> what are we going to talk about going back to work? We ended up telling you our life story. Well, this is the thing, dear listeners. I just want to lift the veil on the magic behind the podcast. We don't really plan we much. We really don't plan it. We, we just start talking. We start talking, don't we? And yeah. it just happens the conversation just rolls so easily just to catch up okay do you have a not sponsored for me i do i'm i do i'm actually very excited about my hashtag not sponsored i know i did an app last week but will you allow me another app jesus all right i love me try it try and stop you (laughs) i love me a tech trend yes so this one's big it's a social media app. Oh. I know everyone's going to eye roll and like, oh, it's going to be like Vero all over again. Where- What's Vero? Exactly. <laughs> but this one's different. Okay. And I think this one's rising to the top. And I'm going to make a big call. It's going to be bigger than Facebook. What? And Instagram. What? Yeah. All right. I know. It's huge. But it is the traction that it has gathered recently and the momentum it's becoming a juggernaut so it's called clubhouse oh i've heard of this yes it's the app on everyone's lips at the moment everyone's talking about clubhouse clubhouse have you heard about clubhouse Clubhouse. what's clubhouse Clubhouse. (laughs) so clubhouse is a social media that is all audio no visual content at all And I find that really refreshing. And it's not like Twitter where you have 28 characters or whatever it is to share your thoughts. Instead, it is all audio. And what's particularly cool about Clubhouse is that I truly believe that it is the platform that nurtures true community and relationships and connections more than any other social media platform. Because you get to have real conversations. And I think the one thing that COVID has taught everyone is that we all desperately want to connect. So imagine that you want to have a conversation. So let's just give it a topic. So that topic might be easy kid dinners, easy kid dinners. So what you do is you start a room. I want to talk about easy kid dinners, but I want to have a co-host to discuss this with. So then you invite someone to be a fellow moderator of your room. So the two of you are going to chat about easy kid dinners. Then what happens? People discover your room. They open the door, they look inside and they're like, huh, these guys are talking about something kind of interesting. I'm going to join them. So they come into the room. We're sitting on the stage having a chat. You as a listener in the room, you can tap a button where you put your hand up and then the moderator on stage can then hand you the microphone and you can contribute to the conversation in real time. It's so all it's like live. a podcast. It's a live podcast. So it's like a live podcast, but you can join in the conversation. Yeah. So if a dear ah, listener was... So listen- if we were doing this now yep. in Clubhouse, yep. someone could put their hand up, we could pass in the mic and they could be like, oh my God, let me tell you how I met my husband. Yes. And then ah, we could hear their story. Okay. And then or you could just be a silent participator where you just want to hear other people's chat. It's like talk, it's talkback radio. Right. And it's live. 
It's all live. You can't record it. None of it is pre-recorded. And this is why I think it's the great leveler of social medias because there's a lot of entrepreneurs and public speakers and figureheads and famous people who have these huge followings, but all of their content is highly produced. And often those figureheads are really good at talking at people, but they don't actually know how to invite people into a conversation. And this is what makes Clubhouse so cool. Well, I think the people are going to kill it on Clubhouse are going to be people who know how to moderate and facilitate a room where everyone's included in the chat. Cool. Yeah. But I really want to implore you to give it a go. I'm going to be hosting some rooms soon. (gasps) Yes. And I'm actually going to throw Revs in the deep end with me. She doesn't know this yet, but I'm going to make you host a room with me because I thought, look, hear me out. Don't you think it would be cool that after we launch an episode, that if we hosted a room, we can then chat about the episode and hear what our dear listeners thought of it? Totally. or what resonated with them and we can have real open conversations cool okay so there is one kicker oh the app is currently a beta version okay so at the moment it's done on an invite only basis right so i got invited by someone to join the app then i'm given two invites oh so i'm gonna give one of them to revs and then i've got one spare and then revs can invite two people but you have to be invited it's not like an app that you can just download and beyond right okay so that's where it gets a little bit tricky but i will say if you're eye rolling and thinking oh i hate how exclusive the app is it's not going to stay exclusive forever the only reason why it's exclusive now is because they're still ironing out kinks in the app if you can find someone who's on clubhouse and can extend you an invite go for it my recommendation would be to like jump on your social media and be like hey is anyone on clubhouse can i get an invite okay awesome well you better send me my invite all right sending it right now so it so what's your hashtag not sponsored my hashtag not sponsored is another beauty product oh there's a surprise oh wow we all love a product i mean isn't there such a thing as like wearing too many serums aren't you gonna mix the molecular makeup of the serums and turn it into dynamite no you can have a 12 step skin program like back in your box anyway this is not that this is not a serum this is a sunscreen. Oh, okay. I'm here for this. It's a really beautiful sunscreen that goes under makeup. And it is like a serum. Oh. No. I guess. Does it have hyaluronic acid in it? Just just back off hyaluronic acid. Okay. Wait, but does it? Uh, probably. <laughs> oh, my God. So it is just another... You're just plugging another no, serum. It's an... Shush! <laughs> this is my hashtag not sponsored. Sorry. You've done yours Sorry. and you went for 25 minutes. It is called Ultraviolet queen screen oh okay i have heard of this it has a cult following it's gorgeous it's an aussie brand love it and the formulations are beautiful it smells like roses Mm. it's really gorgeous it's 50 plus it goes on like a dream smells divine and then you can put your makeup on over the top it is my favorite thing in my bathroom at the moment price point it's not cheap about $45. But I have had mine six months and it's going strong. So there's lots of different products in the range, but the one I really love is Queen Screen. They have like a body one and like a bit more of a thicker one for when you're at the beach or whatever. But this one is specifically for under makeup and it's like you're treating your skin as well as protecting it from the sun. Huge fan. It's just one of those bougie little nice things for yourself that if you're going to put sunscreen on daily, make it something lovely. So dear listeners, go and treat yourself with some ultraviolet sunscreen wow that was a very professional like well-voiced ad for a not sponsored <laughs> oh love it cue the outro
One of these days we'll have an intro, outro, intro, outro. Glitch, 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 glitch to this podcast. Is that how you have sex? Intro, outro, intro. Oh my god, gross. Yuck. Bye.